You are valued, and you are needed. You will be emperor. I think you're about to go where everyone has gone before. The year is 2023. The name of the podcast, Babylon 5, for the first time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I am the one who was. And I'm Brent Allen, and I am the one who will be. And we're watching Babylon 5 for the first time for you, the one who is. That's right. Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching this show for the very first time, searching our task Not a Star Trek podcast, but we are searching for Star Trek-like messages that are contained within, but we're also trying to see how they're being done in a uniquely Babylon 5 way. Like you said, we're not a Star Trek podcast, but those references are very sure, very likely to make their way into our conversation. So to keep us on point, we play the rule of three. This is a game where we're each limited to no more than three references apiece to Star Trek per episode. That's it. Three. One of those three. No substitutions, exchanges, or refunds. <laughs> Do you remember, not too long ago, I was like, hey, we have reviews on Audible, and I'm going to go to Audible more often. And then you didn't? Yep. <laughs> but I finally went, okay. so here we go. Found some old ones? God found some pretty pretty old ones. Okay. I've got a five-star review from Audible. Oh, yes. And this one's from Kindle Customer. Kindle Customer says, great show, guys. I love the podcast, but I got to say, you guys like this show for the exact opposite reasons I do. The episodes you give high marks were all low points, and the ones you give low marks to are all high points for me. Love the different perspective and don't think you guys will be disappointed going forward. Oh, and Brent, live long and prosper. Jeff, peace and long life. Wow. (laughs) I love that. Um, What's up, Kendall? Uh, I really apologize that you had to suffer through season three. Sorry, but thanks for the review. I appreciate it. Because that was definitely a high point for us. You know what, though, Jeff? It is in diversity where our strength is really shown, and it makes us dangerous. Makes us very dangerous. The other thing that makes us very dangerous is another five-star review. Oh, yes. Also on Audible, Casper says, watching Babylon 5 for the X time. (laughs) I love listening to these guys. As a Babylon 5 fan and a sci-fi fan in general, this is an awesome podcast. Just listening to see how correct, wrong, almost, only parts their predictions are. Without spoilers, this is the best Babylon 5 podcast ever. Just hearing the recap makes me remember the entire episode and makes me want to watch it again. Thank you so much, and I will say peace, victory, and long life. What's up, Casper? I love that review, and I love your mattresses. Very much so. I love, we talked a while ago, we talked a while ago about how there's parts of this show that we put a lot of like effort and thought into as we write the recaps being one of them. And it's like, nobody ever says anything about the recaps. And like, we take great pains sometimes to make those, you know, complete and entertaining. So thank you, Casper. I appreciate that. You know what? You're absolutely right about that with the recaps. The the end of the show was on, I know we've talked about recently, but 
Jeff, I think our recaps, if we just cut those, some of those recaps could be like award-winning recaps because some of them have been fantastic. Some, and I'm not yes. just talking about mine, like yours too. Like, <laughs> I love when we crack each other up, right? You know, it's, it's the best. Jeff, there has been so many times where I've been reading and I see your reaction and I have to like move you off screen so I can't see you because it's so like my ADD kicks into overdrive and I just want to laugh too. So I can't do this. <laughs> well, Jeff, uh, we love to laugh here at the show. We do. Wait, mostly it's because we like playing a lot of games along with rule of three. Another game we like to play is when we get to the end of the show and we try to guess what next week's episode is so that all you folks out there can laugh at us or cringe or cheer when we get it right, wrong, or indifferent. And this is the part of the show where we look back at what we said last week that this week was supposed to be. So, Jeff, this week's episode is lines lines of communication. What did you say this episode was going to be about? How close were you? Yeah, I was way off on this one. I thought that we were going to get Garibaldi and learning about the lines connecting him to Psychor or whomever's controlling him and kind of the communication back and forth there. And I thought that we were going to get a dive into the Centauri stuff because we saw the Keeper controller thing in the last episode. Neither of those things even almost happened. What did you think this one was going to be? Mm, it might have, Jeff. We'll talk about that. Um, I said that this is going to be more on Mars Resistance, which, I mean, that wasn't really a secret. I did get that part right. Uh, but basically what I said was where Babylon 5 and Mars both have been cut off from communication back to Earth. They were going to establish a new direct line of communication between Mars and Babylon 5, kind of maybe with Franklin and Marcus and what they did. It certainly seemed like they developed a, a type of an alliance, almost what Ivanova did last week. Was it last week or two weeks ago? It was last week. It was last week where she like got the smuggler guys mm -hmm. in, so they're kind of developing their own allies and stuff that way. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to give myself too many points for this one because it's not that sp spot on at all. But Jeff, uh, since neither one of us, neither, 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 neither one of us, that's how they say it, where I'm from, neither, neither one of us uh, were uh, correct on this. Why don't you tell the folks at home who maybe haven't seen this episode in a while, or maybe they're listening to us without ever actually seeing the episode ever, which is totally cool, but weird all at the same time. Tell the folks what this episode was actually about in July of 1984. Cliff Burton, Lars Ulrich, and James Hetfield shared profound advice on how to deal with mutually assured destruction, which is Sheridan's new game plan when it comes to ISN and President Clark's propaganda. Fight fire with fire. In an incredible leadership moment, he recognizes Ivanova's talent for being in front of a camera from back when she was updating the sector on the Vorlon invasion and decides to transform the war room into a television studio and dub Ivanova the voice of the resistance. And that voice is desperately needed. The resistance, they're not doing so well. On Mars, they've been hitting civilian targets. And in the latest, 10 civilians were killed. Number one comes unglued at this. Franklin pulls all the resistance leaders together to deliver the messages from Babylon 5. They're outraged over Mars and Proxima 3's treatment, and they're working to free them. But very specifically, they are to target President Clark, the man, not the office of the president. This is not an overthrow of EarthGov, but a fight for their independence, which Sheridan 
guarantees because of course the captain from some random disenfranchised space station can guarantee the terms of the fight and the surrender of earth gov well franklin shares one more message and that is the bombing of civilian targets stops immediately number one is pretty wise to this though given the limited communication between mars and babylon 5 there's no way that sheridan knew that kind of stuff was happening franklin owns up to it and later that night while marcus stands watch He's rewarded with an, oh, Stephen, for his creative thinking. On Minbar, there are more and more rumors of the warrior caste establishing its own council to rule the Minbari, and they're starting to play dirty. Delenn, along with, with an honestly distractingly beautiful Minbari, Pharrell, are also going to have to start thinking creatively. But they're helped along in this by seemingly unprovoked attacks on their allied worlds from an unknown attacker. They head out in a white star to see what they can learn and hopefully provide some protection. But they're too late. The unknown alien vessels have destroyed their targets. Delenn has Lanier do their first contact thing, not repeating the mistake when they first met the humans. They kept their gun ports closed, right? Broadcast friendship messages and language codes so they can communicate. But these guys didn't need that. They very quickly show that they understand and speak Minbari, and in that moment, we are introduced to the Drock. Delenn wonders, how is it possible they already know this language? And Pharrell pulls a gun on her. He is desperate to hook these people up. He says the Drock are friends, and he forces a meeting. So Drock Dude comes on board. He's all warpy, kind of timey-wimey and weird. Pharrell explains that the warrior caste actually has already stood up their own council. They're expelling religious caste from their homes and letting them die from cold and exposure. Pharrell and, I'm guessing, some others have brokered a deal with the Drock to provide protection from the warrior caste in exchange for, you know, just a little territory for their people. He explains that four episodes ago, these people lost their homeworld to a natural disaster. Delenn, being a master math magician, quickly carries the one she solves for X and realizes that the Drock are the minions and allies of the Shadows. And they're looking for revenge. An exciting firefight ensues. White Star 16 is destroyed and Delenn's ship nearly is as well. In an epic scene, she and Lanier cut the Drock off at the pass and unleash hell on the mothership, blasting it to pieces. But Pharrell is killed in the exchange. Delenn returns to Babylon 5 just long enough to update Sheridan. She's going back to Minbar to try and slow its plunge into civil war. Sheridan kind of says that he's got his own civil wars going on with himself over his changes since dying on Zahadum and in his conflict with Garibaldi. With the Drock as an apparent wild card out of the Shadow War, Sheridan tells us all and leaves us with the wisdom that the duration outlasts the war. Brent, what did you think? lines of communication honestly jeff i found this one kind of dull yeah i did it was slow moving it was plotting that being said there were elements about this that i liked a lot there were parts that made me laugh there were things that i thought was really cool despite the size difference and the complete unbelievability of for me that the white star is going to take out the mothership the way it did still it was kind of cool to see um but Overall, Jeff, I think this is one of those episodes for me anyway, where the individual parts were greater than the whole. 
Um, but I will tell you what really has me excited is I have come to a conclusion. Okay. Do you know how in Star Trek, Chief Miles O'Brien is the most important man in Starfleet history? He is. We learned that in Lower Decks. Oh, we've learned we've known that for a while. It was just, we've known it, was it but they codifically codified in Lower Decks. Yes, yes. Uh well, I have Well, hold on. Fair enough. Uh I have determined who the true and greatest villain is in Babylon 5 history. Okay. That person is named Delin. What? Oh, yes. Okay. That person Enlighten is Delin. I got to hear this. Oh, you want to talk about it now? This is opening thoughts. I was going to let you share your thoughts, but you want to hear it now? I, you know, we'll, we'll get it. I, yeah, we'll get okay. to it. But Dylan's that guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. We'll see. How about you, Jeff? What'd you think? One of the things we've heard about Babylon 5 is that it develops its characters, unlike many, many other series have done. And what we know in TV is when you develop your characters, you can really lean on them to make some pretty droll storylines exciting and interesting. And I think that's what I'm definitely experiencing on Mars right now. Like so far, this Mars stuff is about as paint by numbers. I mean, from cliches being spewed out by everyone who's talking archetypes, playing a lot of the, the personnel that are there, but then you've got Franklin and Marcus who I'm, I, I could watch all day. Like I, Love them together. Listen, Franklin has blossomed. Hundred percent. Buddy cop movie here with Marcus. Yeah, I'm. I'm here for those guys. Like just all, all, all day long. They're great. I love all of it. The uh, the Ivanova stuff and her and Sheridan together. It's great. We're getting just like last week. We're getting those glimpses of of the Ivanova that we 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 got back in season one and a little in season two and it's and it's awesome. And then apparently we're going to stretch out the shadow stuff a little more. I mean, we were doing that anyway, you know, with, we, we saw them expelling, but yeah, here we are. We're adding a little more to it. I have a lot of thoughts on these drock and, um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I feel like I should have been blown away. And I think on my first watch through, I was kind of like, you know, mouth agape, like, Oh my gosh. But on my second watch through this one, I was just kind of like, there's stuff going on here that doesn't really add up to me and some real missed opportunities, I think. But um, I will say, Pharrell, the actor who played Pharrell and his, his, his approach to acting, made me question uh, some foundational pieces of who I am <laughs> and, and what I have historically identified uh, as, as, a, as a heterosexual male here in this place. I was all about Pharrell. Really? Oh, my gosh. In, in a primal, weird way. I can't explain it. We can have a whole podcast just about my weird... And, and I even looked dude up like he's done almost nothing. I don't know why not though. I just, yeah, all about him. Jeff, I, I can, I can say at least within the confines here of Babylon five for the first time, you are completely alone in that. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> hey. what, Hey, uh, what, what'd you say? Um, uh, whatever tweaks your freak, bro. Yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I I've been all on all on my own on on worse things before, so I'll I'll, I'll gladly plant the flag yes, here. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. All in all, I, I I think I think you you summed it up great. 
there were great parts to this one as a whole. It just didn't quite. Yeah. Hit. And I like I know that because I, I can hear the comments now like we watched you on your reaction video. Enjoy the episode. No, no, no you watched me enjoy parts of the episode. Yeah. But the episode as a whole was kind of I don't I don't know. You know what I feel like, Jeff? I feel like we're back in season two. Yeah. Where you have really high, fantastic episodes and then you just have these kind of meh episodes. Yeah, but I think in season two, those meh episodes, some of those were terrible. They were bad. We haven't had a terrible episode. This That's season. we really haven't. This wasn't a bad episode. There's no, not at bad all. Not at all. all. It just was dull. And even like you, you said, I love this scene. I loved the scene where the white star, they were, you know, doing the uh, what do you call it? the skin dancing on the mothership, you know, and coming around and blasting it, making no impact whatsoever, not even scratching the hole of the mothership. But then. Just as their white star, I don't know, white star 47 or whatever it was, <laughs> was all but blown up. It somehow was able to maneuver around, cut them off, and then had the guns that blasted it into a million pieces. Hmm. I mean, all in one scene, Jeff, this went from Babylon 5 to Star Wars. Because I was, I was in my reaction video going, you know, hit the exhaust port. Hit the exhaust port. Totally. That's how totally. Hit the exhaust port. To It gets to the end of it, and then it turns into Top Gun. Where he's going to hit the brakes to fly right by him. He flips around. He flips him the bird and then shoots a gun right up their nose and splits the whole thing in half with a ship that is like a twelfth of the size of the big one. Yeah. Like, oh, was, maybe they hit the exhaust port in the front. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's how it worked. The scene was great. Delenn, end this. <sighs> what a great scene. You know, you know what made me just it was so ridiculous. They're making, they're going really fast to the jump gate or whatever. She goes, go faster. Well, be, or be faster. Yeah. That's a command. Yeah, that's good. Hey, 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 boss, I'm having a hard time doing this thing. Cool. Do more of it. Right. But, but, okay. What do I do with that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the draw. All right. Jeff, do you remember in season three, there is an episode that everybody hated that we didn't. The gray 17 Gray 17 is missing. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why people really hate it is because JMS apparently actually apologized for that episode. And if I understand it correctly, primarily because of how the alien was done and it was, it just didn't even look right. Like it was awful. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't mind that there. This alien was awful. Yeah. I feel like I should be apologized to for this guy. I mean, this dude straight look, he straight up looked like they just went over to spirit Halloween after Halloween, like on November 1st. Yep. Yep. What's left and picked up. Yeah. And like maybe picked up a yard decoration and then some other stuff and smashed it together and then told him to go just act like a zombie or something and whatever weird direction and he's just standing there and he's still moving weird and stuff. I'm pretty sure what they said was this is, I mean, I know it's his, you know, 15 years afterwards, but this is an audition to be on the thriller music video. <laughs> so just give, give me your best thriller dance moves and don't stop right at all ever. I mean, and the, the blurry effect and what it was just, it was bad. It was so the, he's got the little device in his hand, which I guess was a communicator or something. Universal translator. It was, it was awful. There was nothing scary about this guy. There was nothing imposing about this guy. I felt like I could have blown on him and he would have fallen over. Stand by. We'll be right back. 
Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community, and you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. And he couldn't even talk for himself. Pharrell had to do all the talking. Yeah. For literally all he said was, you know, uh, yes, whatever, held up a thermal detonator. My exact note, though, is if these Drock are always going to look and sound like this, I hope we never see them again. Me too. They sounded ridiculous. Yes. They looked ridiculous. Yes. Unless there's some, like, they're between worlds or between time. Like, if there's some explanation or something. But, I mean, outside of that, I hope we... I, I am very underwhelmed by this new big bad guy. Is it the new big bad guy? I sure hope not. I, well, I mean, but you would think it is. So... You interpreted it the same way I did. These were at least some of the people that were leaving Zahadum when Zahadum blew up. Mm -hmm. So you know how last week? Yeah, yeah, it was it was last week with Captain Jack, right? Mm -hmm. And he said their people came and planted this eyeball thing on me. Was that the Drock? I don't know how they would. I don't know how they could have snuck in on him. Right. If you are listening to the audio, you're not going to see this, but on the YouTube, you can see it. Like, how do you sneak up? <laughs> And just place this thing when this is, I mean, it just doesn't. So, so either one, this is just ridiculous. And these are, this is a terrible alien design or two. There are other allies and minions. Let's go with both. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with both. Okay. Um, so the Drock are not the little eyeball watcher dudes. I sure don't think so. Because those were pretty stable. They sat there pretty, pretty still. Right. Well, but I mean. Because there was one point where I was like, wait, wait, is this guy a Drock or is he? Because he said he was the emissary, not necessarily yeah. a Drock. So I, it, whatever. I'm going to say that he's a Drock, uh, totally from Zahadum. Yeah, we're probably going to be seeing these guys again. Probably. Yeah, that was what was sad in the whole thing. Like, so, so kind of the stuff, right? So we've, we've been postulating for a long time the warrior cast is going to do something. Last season, we thought they were going to ally with the shadows. Uh -huh. Uh, that, you know, it turns out it's the religious cast inadvertently allying themselves with the shadows. But, uh, so they formed this council. They're trying to establish rule on Minbari worlds and expelling the religious cast. So there's basically, um, tacit warfare going on between the casts. At I this called point. it cold warring. They were cold. Okay. Yeah. Each other. Yeah. Which is also appropriate given their method of execution. Yep. But what I, so Dylan's doing the math that uh -huh. this Drock dude must have had contact with the Minbari before, and Pharrell's immediate reaction is to point a gun at her, to, which Dylan's like, dude, what are you doing? I know you're not going to kill me. Like, we're Minbari. We don't do it. He's like, yeah, but I can hurt you. I'll hurt you. My immediate thought was, dude's got one of the controller things on him. Yeah. 
I thought so too. I thought so too. Yeah. All the way through. I'm believing that until he starts like telling his story and I'm like, and his story has merit. And even Delenn, as she hears his story, she's like, for all I had no idea. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why, why was his first reaction to whip out a gun and not be like, Hey, Delenn, let me tell you what's going on over here. And then I brokered this deal. Like the whole like mechanism that got us face to face with the drug just felt so manufactured and unnecessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had to bring you out here because I knew you'd say no. No, you didn't. You didn't know that. No. She's all about this. You got you got to say something as a writer. You got to give him a reason for doing it. And that's your reason. But, you know, no. so Jeff, here's where I'm going to talk about it. Okay. Delenn is the biggest villain in the Babylon five universe. This is, this is all, everything here is her fault. Let's start with Mimbar. Delenn goes in, makes everything all about herself. I'm the chosen one. How do you know? I don't know. My heart just tells me so, and I'm going to follow my heart. So I'm going to take this trilunary and I'm going to do this thing, which is really against our rules and really against our law. But, you know, I'm following my heart, so I got to do what I got to do. And I'm going to turn myself half human. And then I'm going to go be a savior of the universe. And I'm going to go do all this stuff. Oh, by the way, I don't like the great council because they, they, they told me they didn't like what I just did. And so I broke up the great council and then she pieced out and went back to Babylon five. They broke up the great council and then she pieces out. If you're going to break something up, if you're going to take something out, you have to have something to fill in its spot. Okay. You just do. There's a, there's an old um, parable from the Bible where basically the idea is, is is if you, if you have a bunch of robbers living in your house, you don't go in and clean up the house and then don't move into the house because if you do, then you'll come back and you're gonna have even more robbers living inside your house. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea is, is if you're going to take something out, you've got to fill in the void. And because of this, Delenn is responsible for Mimbari culture fracturing and separating and turning to cold war, which could blow up to hot war. Sounds like at any moment, it is her fault. She is to blame for the dissolution of Mimbari culture. Also when she went in and had her role in the shadows and she went in and killed the shadows or took them out, she left a leadership void among shadow allies. Didn't even consider that the shadows might have some friends out there. Didn't even think about it. And now that the shadows are gone, well, they're trying to get in control themselves. They're trying again. You took this person out and you left a leadership void. And now this is happening with, uh, the drach Delenn's the greatest villain of the entire series. She finally realizes it at the end of the episode and says, you know, I shouldn't have been gone this long. She says she knows it's her fault. And so she's going to go back to Minbar and try to fix some stuff. Now, what's going to happen with the Drach? I don't know. She can start where she needs to start. But basically what I'm saying is this whole thing, the earth Minbari war, her fault. The fact that the earthly, I mean, imagine what would happen if, if the Minbari just obliterated earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Would have saved a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. But no, she had to go in and stop that. And then she broke up Minbari culture. She was a big part of getting the Vorlon and the shadows to, to leave and shake up the, the void that is there. She's just... She's going in, taking things out, making it about herself, and then piecing out, leaving people to figure stuff out. That, my friend, is a villain, and she is the biggest villain of the Babylon 5 universe. So I think where I'll push back right out of the gate is on the the the, the Drock piece, because Sheridan didn't think of that either. No, no one 
thought about the Allies' mins. And in fact, if you want to say anybody should have, it was Sheridan because he had Londo in War Without End say, you didn't think about the Allies and minions of the Shadows, and they've been here for 20 years doing this stuff. I put that at Sheridan's feet, not to lens. Mm-hmm. And I think also, we talked about when, you know, in, um, in Atonement, how I felt Ducat mm-hmm. letting the Grey Council make the call to not reach out to the humans and make first contact was the right call. Tell If they're doing something foolish, show them that they're a fool and let the truth you know work itself out. I think to, to take what we learned about Delenn and Atonement and then piggyback on what you're saying, mm-hmm. Ducat was allowing some chaos to happen. He was allowing the Minbari to make mistakes and for people to get hurt as a result. But I have to believe, given what we saw of Ducat, he had a plan, right, to kind of step in, try and assert some control. If Ducat hadn't been killed in that attack, the Earth Minbari War likely would not have happened. He would have brought some form of order because Ducat was a leader who would step in and say, yes, this whole thing messed up. It was awful. Here's how we're going to move forward and find peace. But instead, what we got was Luke Skywalker. So we had Luke Skywalker and Ben Kenobi. You had Delenn and Ducat. Luke wasn't fully trained and he went to fight Darth. And as a result, we got that horrible, you know, the, the, the beautifully horrible end to Empire Strikes Back because Luke didn't know what he was doing. Yep. That's what we have with the Len now. Hey, I saw Ducat let these people do these things and step in and do stuff. What she didn't see was the great leadership and the strategic planning and the high level mm-hmm. stuff that he was doing behind. So she's not doing those things. I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree that she's the biggest villain mm-hmm. in the series. What I'm going to say is the she is the most dangerously empowered, ignorant person in the galaxy. She doesn't know what she's doing, but she's swinging such a huge hammer that she's destroying intergalactic structures. God, and to go back to when she did break up the Great Council, what authority did she even do that under? At that point, she's random person coming in who broke a staff. They didn't have to break up. They like, but still, like who? Who are you, lady? I said it a couple episodes ago. I'll say it again. Naroon from back in was that um, interludes and examinations. I think it was. He was not wrong. Oh. You know, she yeah. when she when yeah, she yeah. when she saw Sheridan and the summoning come out and be like oh, blah blah blah, and then she ran up onto the catwalk to be with him too. Oh, there's a spotlight and there's power. There it is. She is an ignorant, ignorant person who's addicted to power, and people listen to her. And that is the most dangerous type of person in the world or the galaxy at this scale. I don't think there's a difference between what you and I just said. Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think a villain has intent though. I I'm, I'm obviously being a little facetious, but Jeff, I will say, (laughs) do you remember back in season two, you and I took a hill turn. Oh yeah. And towards the end of season two, what's the other side of the face turn? Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Right. We went baby. Uh, I think we just turned heel again because we're sitting here crapping all over Delenn because Here's the thing. She really shouldn't be in charge of this. She is not warrior cast. She is not trained in tactical battle. Sheridan or Ivanova should be here with her to guide her. She should not be in charge of this. No. Or or Naroon, lean on the people that you have close to you. She, he, didn't he come and bow a knee to her or something and be like, hey, I'm on your side now? Call her in Tilza. He should be here and do it. It's like, where's Bester? He said he was going to be on their side. Where's Naroon? But you know what? I'm not going to put that on Naroon. I'm going to put it on Delenn. Yes. 
Delenn needs to go get in a ring. Yes, she's a villain because it's all about herself. It is all about her. I agree. I agree. And 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 I know we like to what you just said. We just alienated a lot of people here. I'm sure there's things that happen, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I am gonna stand on this pulpit and I'm not coming down. When you are a person with the power, when you're a person with the prestige, and not just power, but power given, not power taken, but power given that Delenn has. Yeah. You do not get to be that ignorant anymore. You do not get to be that irresponsible. I agree. But she does. And here we are. What happened? What was his name? Um, a Sean, right? The guy like. Um, that was the guy that was uh, trying to accuse um, Sheridan of killing the other dude. Yeah. Lavelle, right? Yeah. Of killing Lavelle. And Ashan called her a freak. Yeah. Right. You know, and then we got so so we went from her being fully ostracized in Minbari society to her being able to come in and break up the Grey Council. And now her apparently being the only person who can come and bring order to Minbar. It's a savior complex. Here's the thing. She probably will do a much better job bringing order and being a savior to Minbar than she will commanding a vessel in battle because she is trained in how to lead her country and lead her culture. She is not trained in how to lead the warrior, the, 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 the battleship. So that's the thing that I, I caught out of, out of this episode. And I want to like, we, it, it's a thing that on reflection we've seen through the whole series, but in this one, it became so apparent mm -hmm. what really prompted her to grab the white star fleet and head out to see what was going on is the religious cast had committed to protect these small member worlds mm -hmm. that, that they, they have care for. Why is the religious cast offering military protection to places? The religious cast are the ones who have crewed the white star vessels and built them. How do they know how to do all that stuff? Like wh what are these casts really? Because it seems to me, there's not much difference between the warrior and the religious cast other than the warrior cast are clearly bad guys whereas the religious people tend to keep the religious cast tend to keep it a little more under wraps well, at least that's what they say and that's what they purport maybe maybe the warrior cast really are the heroes of minbari society right look delin is our hero of the story she's one of our heroes of the story one of them they're going to write her as they write her for her to sit there and in strength go faster or be faster did it occur to you that she made the same call here after all those people died and they said, no, you go after these MFers and make them pay for what they've done. Is that not the same thing that she did back when Ducat was killed? No and mercy. Said, no mercy. Make them pay. What has Delenn actually learned? Look, folks. Hey, listen, I know you love Delenn. I know you love Delenn. I know some of you have even uh, taken on her name and that's yeah. awesome. And I get why you would do that. But in an actual analysis of what's going on outside of the fluffy narrative, this is a, this is not a good look for Delenn. This is not a good positive Delenn episode. No, the last Delenn episode was really positive for her. This one, mm -hmm. I, honestly, this episode set her way back to me because it's it, you're right it should have been Narun or sheridan yeah. on that bridge by the way her telling sheridan at the end like you got to stay here i've got to go back and try to try to go fix this and i'm sure you're going to get into this in star trek messages later her sitting there telling him 
something I've studied about human culture is your diversity that brings you together. And that is your strength. But you stay here. I'm going to go back there by myself and do this myself. Yep. Not even use it. You, your diversity is your community that you build and the way that you do this. But I'm going to go do this over here by myself. Well, I think that's what we've seen from the Minbari th through and through. They are isolated. They're racist, speciesist, whatever. Um, like, Xenophobic. Yeah, that's the word. But for, for a society that is enlightened and is the elder race, you know, for what we know, oh my gosh, there, there is there is very little from this society that I, I think anyone should ever want to model. That Listen, the further we get into this, the more I'm going, honestly, the Mimbar kind of jacked up. You know what I almost see? Fast forward. Fast forward a million years. We'll call it the age of Ironheart. Okay. Because that's that's when Jason Ironheart's supposed to come back. Okay. Million years. There's going to be the legend of the shadows, the legend of the Vorlons, right? Or whatever. But instead, it'll be the legend of the Minbari and the legend of the humans. So we're going to have like, yeah, every thousand years or so, these Minbari come out of hiding and they just start blasting people until the humans come and like we're setting up for the next cycle with, cause right now we got this great partnership. Like apparently the shadows and the Vorlons had. Yeah. And that did not turn out. So I was well. going to say, I mean, you know, what, what if humans get to a spot where they really can go toe to toe with the Minbari and force everything into a stalemate. And that's, that's where it goes as things devolve between the Minbar and the, uh, and the humans. And then, mm -hmm some new species has to come in and depose the two of them. And Lorian comes back to get those two. I, listen, there's, there's, there's a lot wrong here. I am going to, I have to leave this episode with, and I'm making a, a conscious choice, Jeff, despite this, what I think is very accurate analysis of what this would be in a real world situation. I am having to choose to sort of leave this stuff here in this episode because Delyn is supposed to be one of our heroes mm -hmm. and what she is doing is supposed to be the right thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with it on the assumption that she is doing the right thing for the right reasons with the right heart. And in a pure way, even though you and I would both sit here and be like, that's all BS. And it, this is actually awful. So I'm making that choice to go with Delyn on this one. Even though I think in the final analysis, the lens messed up, man. I think though, also what I know of some people who hold the character in very high regard is a lot of it. This, her story is her struggle and her growth. Sure. And, and we've seen that so far, you know, and so, and, and, and I have to believe just as we've talked about, you know, we, we've seen, we've seen the, uh, attempt at redemption for Londo in what will be his last moment. Mm-hmm. We, we, I, I gotta believe out there that, Hey, Delenn something, something Delenn. Hey, red, red sector fired up. Jeff, this is my next to last note. It's time for the redemption of Delenn of Benbar. <laughs> Fire it up. Red sector. Make all the memes you want. There you go. They love my redemption uh, arcs. They do. Well, the last, last real note that I have on this whole drock thing is, um, other than just a couple other thoughts, like why did they just let him walk through the ship on his own? Like, what was that all about? But when you first saw their ships, did you read Vorlon? I 100% did. I was like, those look Vorlon ships. Those look Vorlon ships. But then they had a different, 
They, you know what they looked like? They looked like um, if you take the claws out of a claw machine yes. and set them on a side. That's what they look like. So it wasn't quite Vorlon, uh, but I definitely, I was like, it has that organic tech look to it. It has the, and the, the color, color and the stripes the and texture. everything. Mm-hmm. looks 100% organic tech. So what is this? Now, I'm going until I hear differently, I'm going to assume that the Drock are using organic tech as part of their ships, just like the Vorlons and Shadows both did. All right. Well, we've been talking about one bad girl. Let's talk about another bad girl. Number one. Number. Thank you. Um, I'm going to make this as a declaration. Number one lady, the actress. I don't know who, what her name is. Uh, she is going to give Liana Kimmer a run for her money in worst guest actress in the entire series. Why? Because you can literally see the cue card that she's reading from. Literally in the reflection of her eyes. Uh huh. It is. She is awful. And when she gets in there and she starts like hammering people, there is no threat whatsoever. I, if she came in and said that stuff, I'm going to use your brains for cat food. Ha! Are you not? I'll give you 20 bucks to try. Let's do it. <laughs> I listen, using your brains for cat food is no, I'm going to turn your bones into flutes for my children. That is a chilling threat that actor she's got to be six foot tall if she's anything like she is a she's a tall yeah imposing woman like i'll give like definitely looks the part yeah but the minute she opens her mouth and starts trying to like put some stank on it on there i'm just like like if i was that guy i would just like what did he say so is this how you treat all your former lovers i would just be like i can't believe i'm one of your former lovers i'm so embarrassed for myself right now Listen, in the dark, it's all anyway. Um it, she is one of those people whose voice does not match her face at all. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you talking like you don't there's something like did somebody else come in and overdub your entire lines because something is off all she has around. she has an almost Michelle Forbes quality to her uh-huh. voice. Like and I and I'm thinking Michelle Forbes specifically Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Like when she's just you know, she's got that that sharp, commanding voice, but then without any of the gravitas behind it, but just kind of the gravel. I I like the way she is written, though. Like, I have to say, like, I like how she's written. I really feel this is an, an, an acting and directing execution that's making it not work. Because that, that, that cat food insult, delivered correctly, is epic. That's a great insult, if you deliver it right. Yeah, it could be. I just didn't work it, it, it nothing about it came out as imposing um when the when the stuff came across the thing that there was this explosion at the hotel was a terrorist attack they thought that it was a resistance thing mm-hmm. i immediately went of course it's a resistance thing that this wasn't something that earth didn't trying to pin it on them no, no no they absolutely did this that's the way it's going to come out i didn't think that it was going to go out the way it did where somebody went and did something unauthorized i thought she was fully going to be in on it and just faking like, oh, I can't believe somebody would do that. Well, turns out it was you and you're bad. Like, that's kind of where I was. Oh. It might have been better, actually, had it gone that way. But the, the whole Franklin and Marcus thing here, Jeff. I mean, you said it earlier. You are 100% in on Franklin and Marcus. Yeah. They were great. Um, they were great. I like, listen, we're against Clark, not against the, the office of the president. We're against the person. And don't blow up civilian targets. You got to stop that part. Very reasonable stuff. Sure. My issue with the whole thing, though, was people started attacking Sheridan. So apparently Sheridan played a role in suppressing some food riots a while back. And they're, they're, they're keep 
keeping him um, tied to that. But as soon as anybody spoke ill of Sheridan, Marcus, like a little puppy dog, a sycophantic puppy dog would jump up to be like, no, but he's great. You don't understand. He's great. And when Marcus was coming to his defense, I had this little voice over here, Michael Garibaldi, telling me like, see, it's about Sheridan and it's not about the cause. And I was like, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe Sheridan is the greatest villain of the series. Exactly. And he's so great oh, because everyone thinks he's All a good three guy. of them is the greatest oh. villain of the series. Right? Oh. Yeah. Somebody get Zathras on the phone. Let's talk to him about that. <laughs> yes. You, the one who is the one who was one will be all bad. All bad. <laughs> they were not the one. Not not the one. Not the one. Um, okay. So did they actually get this group of resistance fighters on their side? It kind of seemed like it, but it wasn't definitive. They weren't. Yeah. She said, uh, oh, I forget the line, but she's like, yep, got the votes. You know, they're, they're going to do it. Still got a couple people that need some convincing though. And, and Franklin, you know, God that's bless where, him. Did his best. I'm sorry. That's where you go get Kanicki. Well, you need some convincing. Let's do it. I'm going to bust up some heads. Let's go. Grease lightning. We'll do it on Thunder Road <laughs> for an extra 50 credits a week. Oh, I'm to say no. But yeah, Franklin gave it his best. I mean, he really gave a compelling argument. He's like, we need you to trust us. We need you to be patient. You know, two lines that always work. Right. That, oh, you need me to trust? Okay. Okay. You can just say because he said what, he what was the line? He's like, oh, what? So if Sheridan like came flying in over New York City, you'd believe him? Or, you know, we're supposed to believe that? It's like, he says, if anybody else said it, no. But if John Sheridan said it, I'd say stop over on the West Side and pick me up some bagels. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Again individual parts greater than the whole put together of, of the episode. Um, okay. So there's that there's the drop. The lens bad Franklin or Sheridan's bad. You know what make what's kind of making me mad about Sheridan. So he keeps watching that news channel. Uh-huh. I get it. It's the only channel he gets. Doesn't even get the adult channel anymore. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was just sitting there thinking like people that just watch news, talk TV. I'm not even going to name a station. Uh, Cause all of them, all of them. Yeah. Uh, or if you just listen to news talk radio, all you're doing is winding yourself up like a chief cheap watch because they exist to, to, to what well, they exist to make you watch and to keep you straight strung along. Cause that's how they make their money. That's actually how media works in general period. But, yeah. I mean, stop watching. I mean, that stuff's not good. It is not good. Stop it. People like, like, I mean, you watch what you want to watch. I ain't going to tell you, but just understand when you get in that, especially if you're in, because they're all politically biased one way or the other, Mm -hmm. whichever one you watch, you're just going to be in an echo chamber and it's just going to get you riled up where you don't really need to be that riled up. Especially when you're the subject of what they're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so stop that. Anyway, um, I have one more note on this whole episode. Okay. And then I have, I have a little exercise I want us to do, a little game to play. So give your note. And then Jeff, I have a game. Time's ticking, man, in the episode. It's a All quick right, here game. Here we go. Uh, this is the very first time in the entire series, Jeff, that something has happened. That Ivanova did not wake up absolutely beautiful, fresh from the hair and makeup trailer. Looked like she was actually asleep. She looked, she looked like she didn't have makeup on. Her hair was all flat. Now, it wasn't like bedhead messed up. You she still know, pretty great. She to still, be yeah. Right. Yeah. Like she was not, a, I'm not saying she looked ugly. I'm just saying she did not look perfect. Like she has every other time we've seen her wake up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. 
for the first time. Uh, also, we did get a little flash of old school Ivanova in this one. If you weren't my commanding officer, I swear I'd shoot him dead. That's good. That was really good. All right, what's your what's your exercise, Joe? So this 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 episode ended pretty on, on what they tried to make a pretty funny note, you know, with Marcus standing guard, and you just hear the uh, "Oh, Stephen!" Right, right. I would like for us to do a little rewrite of that ending. Okay. And so uh, I'll, I don't know if, if, if it, I'll, I'll set it up, and then you can kind of go, and then I'll give you my idea. But okay. like it was funny, but I feel like it could have been funnier. Yes. I know exactly and I know, how it could have been. Familiar. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think this, this is kind of your jam. So yeah. Like, so you go first. I'll go second. Okay. So what we saw was Marcus bored, standing guard, flicking his Minbari pike, and then you know, hear, heard the thing. And he's like, oh, okay. What it should have been was just Marcus kind of sitting there looking around, a little bored. And then you hear the, oh, Steven. And then, chunk. Then he hits the Minbari <laughs> pike. <laughs> Fade to credits. Oh, the implications of that. That would be funny. That would be funny. But do you know what one of the funniest jokes in comedy always is? The aristocrats? No. No, no that is an awful joke. Uh, no, <laughs> is, is the callback. Okay. You know yep. what I mean when I say the yep. callback, right? Bring, bring something up, yeah. Right. So what this should have been was Marcus just sitting there opening and closing his Mimbari Pike. All of a sudden, he, oh, Steven. And then he should have heard or he should have said, woohoo. That's what it should have been. <laughs> just woohoo. That would have been great. Saying, oh man. That would have been the like, oh yes, that is that's it. But I, I gotta tell you though, if the network decided to show those episodes out of order, that joke would not have hit at No. Would have been weird. But in 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 order, it would have it would have been fantastic. Well, Jeff, I, I think with that, we have come all the way down to the spot here in lines of communication where it's time to look at the deep moral messages there are some there there really was some good stuff especially right yeah. at the end that little message that delin gave what we're looking for are those star trek like messages being done in a uniquely babylon five way we're by that what we mean is we're looking for those things that are holding up a mirror to society maybe giving us hope that we're going to be better in the future and and may just kind of telling us how to be like like showing us who we are for what we are and calling us to be better as a as humanity as a people doing it in in the form of sci-fi so jeff you are going to get to discuss this this week and you're going to rate this episode on a scale of zero to five delta furies as to how strong that star trek like message is but how babylon five was it delivered you said it there's a lot in this episode so what I'm going to kind of fly over real quick, and then I'm going to dive into two of them pretty, pretty big. But there was a great line uh, when they were on Mars, and Franklin just says, this is what, talking about independence, you know, not taking down EarthGov, but fighting for actual independence. This is what you've been fighting and dying for. You're no closer now than you have been. You have to try a new approach. You've got to try something different. Right. I love this because how often... Do we see people in life, relationships, work, business, anything, just keep doing the same thing and wondering, why, why isn't this working out? Why isn't this working out? This is just a really cool Babylon 5 way of delivering the message of, hey, if you keep walking into a brick wall, especially if you're hurting yourself when you walk into that brick wall, walk somewhere else. Like, try, try a different way. Then there's this theme. The theme was that history repeats itself. So... 
um, when Pharrell's talking about um, the warrior cast mm-hmm. starting to step up and take control, he says that the people saw it happening, but they didn't believe that it could happen to us. They didn't believe that what happened before Valen's time could ever happen again, but here it is happening. And in that, he also shares a statement that he said, Ducat said that when there's good news, we always ask if it's true because it's so difficult to believe. But when there's bad news, we rarely inquire because it's so easy to believe. So imagine you happen, this is just a hypothetical situation that, you know, doesn't really necessarily relate to anything nowadays is experiencing, but imagine that you're living in a modern dystopian nightmare where everything politically and societally and climately and environmentally and everything else is falling apart right before your very eyes in ways that we've seen happen in prior civilizations and in prior times, some of it within some people's lifetimes here. Let's just say, you know, hypothetically that's happening, <laughs> but we keep telling ourselves, no, it's not, we're, we're better now. Mm-hmm. We're smarter now. We're more enlightened. That, that couldn't happen to us, even though it's blatantly happening to us. So when we see these things happening, the people who see them and they try to bring it to other people's attention because we don't believe good news, right? So we have to create bad news to counter the other bad news. In the case in this episode, the bad news is the warrior caste is getting out of control and killing religious caste people. So Pharrell and the religious caste don't sit down and say, hey guys, this is bad news. Look, look at the time before Valen. Look what happened. Look how he went through. There's no conversation. Nope. They go out and they enlist the first disenfranchised powerful race they can find that will stand up and pose a threat to this bad news. Oh, this is bad. Guess what? We have bad news too. Now our bad news is going to have to work together. So the message in this one that hit me so hard was not only does history repeat itself, but we make it worse each time because to counter it repeating itself, we move the pendulum so far around that it's actually in the same place, right? It's not contrary to the other. We're actually complementing the bad things and moving everything forward. That's what's going to break Minbari society down. Mm -hmm. Not the warrior cast going out of control, but the warrior cast going out of control and the religious cast also going out of control to show how out of control the warrior cast is. Don't know if that rings true for anybody nowadays in any way, but the big one, the nail on the head, right? Humanity's greatest strength is its diversity and its community building. This is every sci-fi thing, right? I mean, almost line for line, this was in mass effect where they talk about how the the uh, the reapers and the collectors were going after humanity because of the diversity that they had. Every other race is fairly well homogenized in some way or another, but humanity has diversity. What we saw, though, throughout season two, season three, was that community building. It was Sheridan, as a human, who was able to bring the League worlds together, unify them against a common threat. And we're going to see that again. And th- this was that moment of acknowledging that that happened and then setting and paving the road for what is to come against Earth. Because like the shadows in the Vorlons, Babylon 5, John Sheridan isn't going to be able to take down Earth, EarthGov, and President Clark on his own. He's going to have to build a community to do it. In fact, I think to your earlier point, it's going to be fun to watch him trying to do, th- to, trying to build a community to fight Earth yeah. and, and bring them back around while we see... Delenn going to try to single-handedly save Minbar 
and see if they kind of, to use one of your favorite words, juxtapose those two approaches in any way. But it's true. We are, as humans, we are better together Yeah, in every way. You and I had a conversation, I think, earlier this week about neurodiversity, right? People with ADHD, ADD, and then the what we call the neurotypicals out there. And how and, there and are so for, many... For the record, of the two of us, you would be the neurotypical. I would be the neurodiverse. Generally speaking, Generally I mean, there's, we, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a strong belief that like anyone who's truly neurotypical is really skilled at masking. Um, I think we have tremendous diversity right, in, uh, right. in, in our, how we're made up, but yes, I'd say of the two of us kind of how it works, but the, the general feeling out there and, and the general feeling out there is that neurotypical people have to like put up with these, you know, this neuro, the way that other people's brains work or whatever. And this is all born because we were trying to schedule a time to record and I was saying everything in your time zone and you were like, Hey, thanks for doing that. That helps work. I'm like, yeah, cause I get it. I understand how your brain works. You're three hours behind me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put it in your time. I understand to a point how your brain works. I can adapt. So I'm going to do that. It makes things easier because together our brain is better together. Mm -hmm. I'm going to adapt and mold and change and bend, you're going to adapt and mold and change and bend a little bit so that we can make our brain together. Now imagine this times 10, 100,000 billion. If we can get on the same page, diversity, right? Diversity is a checkbox. Yeah. Diversity is a measurement. Is there, are there people that look and lived differently here? The real magic comes in community and community is when you have equity, when people have the things they need and you have inclusion. People know that they belong and that they're welcome. That's community. That's humanity's greatest strength. And as a plug, that's kind of what we do here at Babylon 5 for the first time as well. We bring people together. Brent and I, we're pretty cool. Yeah, we're pretty cool guys. What makes us, the us, capital us, cool is all of you watching, listening, and participating in the community that we are. And, you know, the if I could jump in on that. The, of course. We have several different communities and several, several different levels. Uh, there is the community of those of you out here there who interact with us on social media. That, that is one group. Uh, there is a community of, of you folks out there who listen to the audio podcast of this. Um, unfortunately that's a little one-sided cause you know us, but we don't really know you that well, unless you choose to reach out through one of these other platforms. Um, but there's also our group of people that are on YouTube and the people who comment on the videos and we, Jeff, we, we try to interact with those as best we can. There's so much that it's hard to do that so often these days, but we really do try to interact with that as best we can. And what's happened is, is with YouTube, it's kind of the same people for the most part every week. And we've kind of gotten to know that group of people, but then there's our patrons over on our Patreon page. And this is not a shameless plug, although shameless plug, you should come join us on Patreon. Um, but there's that group there, which is, it's a little bit smaller, a little more intimate and a little bit tighter. And there's a little bit of crossover to the YouTube, but it's not whole, wholly done that way. And that is a particular group of people at a particular community that exists there. But there's one step further of the people who exist on our discord platform that you and I are a lot more active on. Mm -hmm. um, and that has turned into its own group of people as well. And so there, there's the, just the community, the different circles of communities. Uh, I don't think that anyone is better or greater than the other. It's just those are the different places that within this own show, those communities have existed. And that shows our power. 
and it and it and it does and it and it makes us dangerous. Yes. Right? You come at us, you come at you come at all of us, you yeah. know, and like it's like this it's and I don't mean that like, ooh, look at us tough macho, but like we have had instances where we have come together around members of our community to help them. And it's amazing to see. It makes us powerful, it makes us dangerous, and that's not just Babylon five for the first time. That's humanity. If we can just capture that. Brett, this was a five Delta Fury episode. I through and through. I, I don't disagree. I may have bumped it back down to four because most of the intentionality of that to me was just wrapped up in this nice little line at the end. Uh, and it wasn't really on full display through the rest of the episode, but I I'm not gonna argue with five. That's yours, and I don't I don't get to argue. If I could tack on to that. Yeah. And I may I'm gonna get a little political here, but that's because it's right here. Okay. Like it's 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 for the the grabbing. And hold I, on, I'm just gonna get ready to catch the emails yeah. coming through. <laughs> and but I but I think this is true of most governments worldwide from what I see. I could be wrong. It's just my observation. But to Lynn's line, it is your diversity that is your strength, and it's what makes you dangerous. I w- I'm going to speak to the American government right now, and specifically to the Republicans and the Democrats, which are our two controlling bodies. Right now, we are more like Minbar than we are like humans yeah. in Babylon, like than what Dylan described as humanity. We are warring with each other. We are backbiting each other. We are dividing along caste lines with each other. We are not working together and our culture is fracturing and we have people who are openly inciting war. They're telling you we're at war. We're at war. This is weaponized. Everything's weapons. We're at war. They're taking over the taking over the taking over. They are not unifying. They're divisive. And that's where we find ourselves here. I think we see that in other countries, at least from what we can tell on our TV here in America, yeah. is other countries are like that. When it's a, 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 a us, us versus them type situation. And Jeff, to what you were just sort of describing a second ago, the difference between that and what Delin describes is you said it's equity and it said that they know that they're welcome. Yeah. You walk into the halls of Congress. And it is not equity and welcome. It's barely diversity. Like, like you couldn't even check that a, box. A bunch of months ago, and I'm going to call you out, Tennessee, the Tennessee legislature kicked out two uh, of its own members because they did something they didn't like. All right. Now, they may have violated rules of decorum or something like that. And then what I loved is like the next day, the voter, like the way the thing works is the voters get to pick on who they want to send back in to replace them. And they sent the dudes right back. They had to like bring them back in, um, but uh, uh, to to be able to harness the diversity, the difference is, is each side is vying for power, not vying to come together. And you got to harness the diversity, not yeah. shut the other side out. And that's what we see. And, and we've seen it when either side's in, in power. Yeah, because I, I want I want to clarify and tell me if I'm wrong, but I just want to be very clear about this. This is not a Republican or Democrat thing. This is a Republican and Democrat thing. This is, this, is. There, there's, because there's, listen, yeah. listen when when the Democrats were in charge, um, they froze out the Republicans mm-hmm. and just pushed things through and did not work together. Uh, when the Republicans have been in charge, 
They are clearly free and they're turning everything against the Democrats. By the way, they've been doing this since I started paying attention and probably a long time before. I just I know when I started paying attention and I've been aware of it. Yeah, it's not Um, new. No, but it does seem to be getting worse, worse and worse and worse. And I I can only imagine what it was like leading up to 1861. Well, there were fist fights that broke out in Congress. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's getting it's getting bad. And we I mean, you know, God bless parliament over in england but that is that is some some jerry springer tv right there if i've ever seen it you know no offense to all all our uk friends out there well they probably say the same thing about us when they see on you know so yeah yeah you know but it's but it is i you know again well just i can only go by what we see on tv and what they allow us to see so uh but i i see it in all these other places my point being uh, now that i've pissed everybody off the point being the difference between what's happening on Membar and the ideal that Delenn was speaking, I'm sorry, that JMS was speaking is the way you capsulized it. When you're working together, when you know that everybody is brought in and you're going to harness that diversity, that frankly, being able to, to, to harness that diversity is what made America great with still a lot of room to get better. Because we were not perfect. Ever. No place has been. It hasn't happened. America back then and still today has a lot of room to get better. We are not arrived. But what made America that world powerhouse out of the late 1800s and through the 1900s and then beyond was because we could harness our power. And the fact that we are now turning into a cold war on each other and it has, and it's been festering and escalating and escalating and escalating. I think we've, we're pretty much there at this point where f- culture is, is fracturing the way that it was described on Mimbar, which is really sad to me. And this is why, this is why we need sci-fi on TV. This is why sci-fi is uniquely positioned among all other genres to be able to do what we call the Star Trek like thing. But let's just face it. It's the sci-fi thing where you can hold up a mirror to society. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you're absolutely right. This is a five Delta Fury episode through, especially when you add in the piece of, of for all talking about, uh, you know, Ducat's piece and how history repeats itself. And we actually make things worse because we don't, we, we fight each other over, over the scraps instead of coming together over greatness. Yeah. And, and that's, that's happening on Minbar and it's, it's happening right here. Today. And unfortunately there's nobody, at least in leadership right now, that is trying to get people to come together. Well, the thing is, and I've talked, I think I've talked about this before that person won't get a lot. I, I have, I have this much experience in running for an elected office uh-huh. and, and even at the tiniest level, that person cannot conceivably run for office. The machine is so big. And so well, well tuned that you will get eaten up and destroyed. If you try to bring people together. Yeah. That's, it's not the goal. That's like you said, media, media exists on firing people up and building them up towards a thing. I've had legislators look me in the face and tell me, yeah, that's great policy. I won't get reelected by passing something like that though. If that's who's going to vote for someone who does. I'm like, well, who cares? Who cares? It's the right thing to do. There was, there's a, a great line from a not as bad as it could have been movie legally blonde too. <laughs> you have Reese Witherspoon talking to Sally field as a Congresswoman who says, listen, 90% of the stuff you get in there and you pass 
so that you can be around to do the 10% that you really care about. Truer words, almost, almost truer words, almost never spoken before. Hey, Brent. Hey, Jeff. We just had a fun time talking about some really, really heavy stuff. Yeah. Now we get to have some actual fun. Mm. We're creating the absolutely definitive ranking of all the episodes of the fourth season of Babylon 5. Our current top five. Number one, Into the Fire, Then the Long Night, Atonement, Whatever Happened to Mr. Garibaldi, and The Summoning. Brent, this is on you, my friend. Where do you put lines of communication? It's not a top five. Not for me. Uh, The bottom five right now, because we only have 10. So the next five is uh, Hour of the Wolf, Illusion of Truth, Falling Towards Apotheosis, Racing Mars, and Epiphanies. I'm 100% this is better than Racing Mars. Remind me what a falling towards apotheosis was. That was um, that was when Londo got pulled into Emperor Cartagia's like shadow part uh, cabinet, and uh-huh. like he was really starting to spin out of control, and then uh, had this scene with Sheridan and Lorian. Like it was basically both Sheridan and Cartagia moving towards their their godhoods. Okay. Uh, and then illusion of truth. We just did that one not too long ago, which was that was the one? newscast one with Dan Randall. Oh, I liked that episode. That was, that was an interesting episode. I'm going to put this one below falling towards apotheosis above racing Mars. Okay. Uh, this okay. will be our new number nine and we'll round out our top 11. Yeah. This is the top half of the season, Jeff. Hey, guess what that means? We are halfway through season four already. We only have 33 more episodes of this show. That's crazy. Do you believe it? It seems so close yet. So far away in in the best way possible. You know, I mean, yeah, like so much. Well, Brett, that's it for lines of communication. Next week, we're watching conflicts of interest for the first time. One of the games we love playing is we look at the title. It's all we have. We don't look at anything else. We like to guess and predict what that next episode is going to be about. So Brent, what do you think? conflicts of interest is going to be about well you know i said last week that i don't think this is as hyper serialized as those first six episodes are Mm -hmm. i do think that there is still quite a bit of serialization going on and so now we're talking about conflicts of interest um i immediately think of the mars resistance more mars resistance stuff and they're trying to bring these guys oh no you know what maybe it's the smugglers Oh yeah, and they have you know between their own pockets and and what they actually agreed to, you know you know we haven't seen actually in a while is Londo and Zier. We haven't seen Zier, so maybe there's maybe there's something there. But I'm gonna stick with this is Mars Resistance and this is Smugglers, uh, trying to figure out if they're really gonna be a part of this whole like what it. So they've they've all agreed right to to join Babylon 5 and whatever this new alliances that they're putting together mm-hmm. they're going to be trying to figure out if this is actually uh what they what they really want to do maybe we get back to Garibaldi and Hayes trying to figure out where his actual interests lie what about you i think we're going to lean in to Ivanova settling into her voice of resistance role oh yeah okay. yeah like we're going to get some of this but i i got a deep cut on this one that's going to happen so stuff's going to start going out hitting the airwaves, people are going to start getting attention. You know, she's going to start, people are going to start noticing her, Uh which is going to bring an old face out of the woodwork. (gasps) Say it. Malcolm Biggs. Oh, no, not that guy. Who are you thinking? Rabbi Koslov. Oh, that'd be even cooler. I would love that. But no, I think Malcolm Biggs, the home guard guy from war prayer. 
I think, because he just left. Like, so I think he's going to show up mm. and he's going to come in and kind of set up a whole thing where he's like, look, we're not cool with this Clark thing either. Home guard wants to come on board with Babylon five and Ivanova is going to be tempted. Cause you can't trust home guard to actually be against all that. Yeah. I wonder if it's, could it be time for another Bester episode though? Could it, could it be Bester coming back? I don't know. I feel like, Probably I feel like it's been yeah, a little too soon. They, they spread him out a little yeah. bit too much. Yeah. But we'll find out here next week. Thank you everybody for joining us for our conversation here on lines of communication. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. Leave us a rating, review. We'll read it here on the podcast and hit that share button. Share this video, share this podcast with somebody who loves Babylon 5 or is ready to fall in love with Babylon 5. Until next time. Hey Jeff. Yeah man, what's up? Did you did you did you notice my shirt? Your your shirt? No, I I did I'm sorry, I did not. I did not notice your shirt. You didn't notice? No. What am I chopped florn? Man. In Valen's name. I mean, we're not some some deep space franchise. This station is about something.